Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people, we declare your mighty works. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore, who reigns forevermore, who reigns forevermore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I am your host. Thank you for joining me. Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. Um, today I'm going to be musing. By the way, that song was, I think it was by Vine Song. Um... Anyway, it starts off by saying Father in Heaven. And I like that song. It's very old. It's very old, like old school Christian music song. But I like it because it goes straight to the point. You know, it, it's Father in Heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people, we declare your mighty works. You know, I, I'm i sorry if you are... A part of this, if you've been, you've listened to me <laughs> on this music before now. There's some things that I re- repeat pretty often, and so pardon me if you if you if you hear me say something that I've repeated. First of all, I think it's a sign of old age. There, number one, but number two, it's because I continue to be baffled by it. There's some things that really really baffle me, <laughs> and the reason why they baffle me is because there are so many times I. As it, it keeps recurring over and over again. So it's not something that I come across, you know, once in a while. It happens so often that I have many opportunities, time and time again, repeatedly, to be baffled by the same thing, you know, same pattern, same trend. And, you know, this song, it says, Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. Now, this whole concept of the kingdom of God. I'm not even, I don't even think any, as in, okay, I know I'd like to exaggerate a bit, but I don't even hear it. As in, literally, I had to go back into seminary, go to seminary to begin to start hearing people preaching about the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came on earth, in fact, John from, John, from the days of John the Baptist till Jesus and the apostles, all they ever preached was the, was the gospel of the kingdom. That the kingdom of God is here, is come upon you. There was a concept of the kingdom of God. But what do we have now? People preaching church. People preaching the leaders of their churches. The concept of the... We don't even realize that we're part of a kingdom. 
and that kingdom in, in um is it um Colossians chapter 3 it says we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his death so you know what it means to translate it means a bodily movement you were, we were bundled up and you know moved translated as in uses the word translated because it's a spiritual movement because physically our physical we did not change but this spiritual translation took place and moved us into a place that we could never have had access to except by the power and the mercy and the grace of god and that kingdom has a king and that king is is the kingdom of his death the king is jesus and it has um it has army it has an army. It has rules. It has... I mean, what does the kingdom have? It has a, a, a temple. It has a throne. It has beliefs, value systems. It has territory. It has a mandate. There are laws of the kingdom. There are principles of the kingdom. There are attributes of the kingdom. There are blessings of the kingdom. You know? I just think that our practice of Christianity has watered it down so much that honestly, I, I really wonder now, what is the attraction? Why would anybody leave whatever it is they are doing and come to Christianity the way we are now practicing it? Now, one of the advantages of being as old as I am, <laughs> not that I'm that old, but at least I have lived for two generations. If we agree that a generation is 25 years, I've seen at least two generations to the glory of God. So it means you have the opportunity to see like, you know, babies born grow to a certain level, get married, babies born. That is, that cycle has repeated itself like twice in my life, in my own personal generation and in the generation after that. And we're now witnessing it in, I'm about to start witnessing it in the third generation to the glory of God. It would be nice to see that generation to also to the next 25 years. But at least I've seen two. So I'm able to compare the generation I was born with, with the generation that came after us. And sometimes too, the generation of my parents too there's a bit of a comparison there because even though i did not see the beginning of it i still i you know i, I witnessed like maybe 10 15 years of their generation within the 25 years first 25 years of my generation because all the generations overlap depending on how you know people some people live thank god for the people that live three or four generations they give us opportunity for cross-generational learning you know what i'm saying so within those two generations i have seen about three or four generations so you're able to compare to some extent. And in the first of my two generations, I had the opportunity to witness a great move of God. And I think depending on your age, if you were in Nigeria or at that time, you would have seen it. And, you know, it was people giving their lives to Christ, taking on the word of God, sold out to him and all that. Then churches were not as big as they are now. They mostly started as fellowships in people's homes, small prayer meetings on campus, that kind of thing. And it was very Jesus-centered. It was very Christ-centered. It was very taking the, the word of God, the Bible as it is, and just doing, you know, by the power of the Holy Ghost, doing what the Bible says that we can do and, and all of that. And God was really helping us. And, you know, because of the how people saw the power of God in our lives at that time, and we were very kingdom-minded. So, and first of all, I was in a student fellowship then in school. So it wasn't so much about, oh, come to my church. It was about come to Jesus. That was what we were preaching. There was even no church as in no physical, you know, we were not affiliated to any church 
formal church but we had a student fellowship we had a pastor and it was a massive moment and people were getting saved and it was it literally grew with before our eyes and people were just coming in fact it wasn't you just preach and people would just give their life we didn't know that we didn't know it was an outpouring of the holy spirit and it wasn't a big deal to to talk to people about jesus because he, he was our life everybody could see that he was our life we're not everything we were students we were on campus but man jesus was at the center of it all even our being on campus was all about Jesus. And I, I lived through it. I was a part of it. So somehow, you know, then the church became very big. People started coming. It now became this political, social class thing that we now have today. And for me, the worst part of it is that the, the preaching of the word became extremely diluted. And um, I think... The, the 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 by the year 20 by the time the, by the turn of the millennium and particularly from 2010 onwards in fact 2005 2010 onwards the preaching of the gospel went in a completely different direction it wasn't so much i would say it wasn't wrong it's just extremely watered down the difference between for instance let me give an example i am although i don't do what i've done but i am i'm a professional consultant and i do a bit of a lot of training and i'm now trying to release some courses in my secular life um i i i i put a lot of effort in making sure that my trainings are meaningful even when i do pro bono workshops and things i make it very um meaningful for people but there's a difference between a course, a training, and a workshop. And there's also a difference between entry-level, advanced-level, and intermediate-level. Entry-level, intermediate, and advanced. And depending on the audience and what I'm trying to achieve, that determines the level of research, the level of data, the way in which I build up that curriculum. It's the same thing in university. There's a difference between when you do a master's program and a BSc. It's completely different. It's two different worlds. And PhD takes it to another level. So what I see is almost like, in fact, I think that that example I gave is not even a good example because I think when you have a good um, teaching practice, even when you are teaching children, you will teach them the solid things that they will need to know so that by the time they get into more advanced curriculum, they, they are able to access it. They are able to understand what's being taught, the principles and the foundations that have been laid. I am I have a bit of concern even with the foundations that are currently being laid because it's a foundation based on, as in you can't use it to do anything. <laughs> you know, foundation based on a very very watery view of the word of God. I mean, you get into some into gatherings, Sunday gatherings. And they are preaching, and there's a lot of, yes, yes, feel good, but when you leave, there's nothing you can hold and take back with you. Other than maybe something about, okay, yes, one prophetic word that came out, and, oh, I I grabbed it, and I used it, and fine, you you got whatever miracle you wanted. But I'm talking of life-changing. The other day I was talking about, I gave an example of a preaching that one, a man of God in my church in the 90s gave. I remember the title of that message. I'm sure if I meet that pastor today and I tell him that I remember your preaching on promotion is the aftermath of temptation, you will not believe that I still remember the title of that message. The pastor that preached, I've not seen him in about 30-something years. In fact, 
there were some things he did much later on that I didn't support. I wasn't a part of it, you know. But that preaching has stayed with me. The title, the heart of the message. In fact, I can preach the message. If I if I have, to, I can preach that message verbatim. I don't know what it was about, but it was a really powerful message. It was a powerful message. I, I did a bit of a recap on it. I think on about three or four, well, I don't know, maybe seven episodes ago. It was a powerful message. It was talking about how, you know, when you've gone through trials, God eventually will promote you. You know, that whole count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. It was, and those are the kind of preachings we used to get. Things that prepare you for life. I don't want any of this watery nonsense that is as if I'm, you are preaching to me as though we are in heaven. We're not in heaven now. We're not in heaven. Are we in heaven? We're not in heaven, no. If this is your heaven, sorry, oh, I did not receive the blood of Jesus to, to live forever here. I don't want to live forever in this world, no. In this world where earthquake will come and kill 5,000 5, people, children, babies. This horrible, sorry, no. Where parents can do horrible things to their children, leave people with lifelong trauma, where children can be cruel to children, where weak and vulnerable people, where rulers can trample upon the poor and the needy, the most vulnerable, where people can take up false witness, lie through their teeth, use the powers of coercion to, to rob, to steal, to kill people, where injustice is the rule of the day. No, I am, I personally am very happy that this world as it is. The Lord has promised that he will bring this age to an end. So, if we're in a hostile territory, why are we behaving as though we are in a safe space? Or, you know, we're supposed to be arming people. And when I went back, you know, I had a um, life-changing moment where for the past two, three years due to crisis, and now I realize that <laughs> that crisis, God just did it to shake me. I'm not saying that God brought it on, but I'm saying... It was an opportune moment and God did not miss it. I needed to be shaken because I, and by the way, life shakes everybody at some point in some stage or the other. It's just the way things are, you know, a part of the dysfunction we have in this world. We grow just the way it is. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. These again are the kind of things we don't like to hear. But it's in the Bible and we see that it's true. We see that it's true. Even this, um, the culture of apprenticeship that we see, we learn by being stretched. In my secular world, we used to talk about um, people would say, this, um, our, counsel, our coaches used to tell us about taking on roles that would give you a stretch because it will make you grow and that if you continue to do the same thing that you're already good at, you will not grow. This is what they used to tell us even in the secular world. So these are not things that, they are true. They are, it's, it's, it's spiritual truth is also factual truth. There are, some, there are very few things on earth that you will find both spiritual context for as well as physical correlation. These two, they align. We grow by discomforts. We learn through trials. I don't know why it's that way, but that's how it is. But people don't want to hear it. And, you know, we're in spaces where people are making us feel that if something, if you go through trials, that means that there's something wrong with you or you didn't do something right, is a bloody lie. That means Jesus too. If that's the case, then Jesus, the apostles, all of them, they, they were doing things wrong. Read the Bible, beginning to the end. Who did David offend? Is it not, oh, is it not God he was obeying that Saul was envious of him? All the troubles that David had, who, who did he offend? At least before Bathsheba. 
Jesus, okay, if you say, who did Jesus offend? Hannah, who did she offend that she did not have a child for so long? In fact, sometimes even the wicked people that even were even having the, in quotes, blessings. So the world is just upside down. It's just the way it is. And we know why now, because Satan is the god of this world, small g. You know, these are things that I would expect to hear more about. And back to the whole principles of the kingdom thing. One of the things that I think really helped me as a Christian when I got saved, although I think over time again too, I also was part of the dilution. So I also lost track of a lot of these things. So God had to bring me back to the foundation of scripture and realize that, look, don't get too comfortable here. The New Testament says we are strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. I think that was in Hebrews 11. Strangers and pilgrims. Everybody that walks with God. In fact, that Hebrews 11 is talking about um, the people who came before, the fathers of the faith and people who have walked with God. He said they all knew that they were strangers on earth. Strangers. What is a stranger? A stranger is someone that doesn't belong. What is a pilgrim? You are passing through. So the combination of the two stranger and pilgrim you are on a journey i am on a journey it's not only when you go to jerusalem we are on a journey through life if we do not understand this if i do not understand this then i am going to be seriously shipwrecked in my faith and in my life and in my eternal futures as in i will be shocked at what will happen in the future i'm a pilgrim we're all pilgrims But the difference, in fact, every human being on earth is actually a pilgrim because nobody's going to live forever on earth. But we Christians are strangers. Some people are not strangers in this world. They are part and parcel of the world. The kind of people that Jesus spoke about in John 8, 44, when he said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust, the desires, the ambitions, the obsessions of your father, you will do. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So those people, they are not strangers in this world. So if as a Christian, I am not a stranger, I am highly comfortable in this world as it is, I know you need to, then I need to check my foundation. I'm not a Christian. You, know, you, you cannot be a Christian following Christ, of Christ, born of Christ, with your Father in heaven and be comfortable in this world. The Bible said it in Old Testament. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. How can you be at ease? I'm even beginning to realize that that's probably... You know, the funny thing, as I got closer to God, got closer to Him through His Word over these past three years, I became more uncomfortable with the world. I, I became more uncomfortable. I was one of this... I'm, 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 most of what I'm saying, I'm reflecting on how much I myself had walked away from the standard of the Bible. Because there was a time in my life I was very comfortable with. I was so cut off from everything, sufferings, things going on around me. In my heart, I knew that I was not living, you know, God's perfect will for my life. But I felt, you know, well, what I'm doing is enough. Because I wasn't, excuse me, I wasn't a bad person. I, I had a moral code that I lived by. And I tried my best to be, I was, you know, I don't, I don't look for people's trouble. I, I don't, you know gossip I, do, I, I, I tried my do you understand I wasn't a bad person well to some extent although yeah I, yeah I did do some bad things but I wasn't a bad person you know you know how we always try to justify ourselves 
but I, I did know that I wasn't up to God's standard, but I didn't realize how far it was. I didn't realize. I did not know. I honestly didn't know. Until this situation happened to me. I had a, you know, serious um, faith crisis because of some things that happened. And then I then realized that, wow. Then I saw that it wasn't even a case of um, my not knowing what I should know. It was about even the things I had known before. I had walked away from it without even knowing that I had walked away from it. Because if I had kept to the standard of the gospel that was presented to me when I got saved in 1990, it is in the late 80s, I would have been okay. Because it was a strong foundation of scripture focused on Jesus, the kingdom, the word of God, understanding that this life is a temporary place and that while I'm here, you know, there's a contention between good and evil, light and darkness, and I am to side with light and walk in the light of God and its speed. I had a solid Christian foundation, but I lost it. I lost it. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, social status, you know, I got, I got, I got caught up in the hype of the world until, until life. I just give God the glory. Now looking back, I'm grateful, even though it was painful for, you know, the individuals involved. I, what I think I, I need to do now is to make sure that not just in my life, but in the life of everyone involved, affliction will not arise again. Not, in fact, spiritual affliction more than anything. Because I think, looking back, the, the door was open to certain things because of the vacuum in my spiritual life that I didn't realize was there. And that vacuum was the absence of the word of God. And nobody can do that for you. That building, in fact, uh, Paul talks about it that he said there's no other foundation that anybody can lay other than Christ. He said, but let every man take heed how he builds. Because nobody, you know, and, and you know, again, this is my, and I will continue to, I, I say these things every now and then I come back to it because I think it's it's worth saying, on, and I know new people come onto the this podcast every time my podcast podcast is like a, a passage people just you know some people stay but some a lot of people walk through and that's fine and that's the way god wants it to be and i think that's absolutely fine because it's really about a word in season to him that is weary so if this is a word in season for you then take it and i believe that god will do what he needs to do with that word and you know he says every man should take heed that he he how he builds because the building of your spiritual life is a personal thing. Going to it, things like going to church and all of that, they are good, but it will not replace. The building of it is you. You have to spend that time. It's the same thing as like when you are a student in the university. You can have a wonderful lecturer, and thank God. And that's another thing. Again, you can't choose your lecturers. You know, you can't choose your lecturers. And some people, you may be that kind of student that can tell when your lecturer is good. Some people cannot even tell whether lecturers are not good. So... Because I like, like for instance, I when I was because I'm a very studious kind of person. When I was in school, I knew the lecturers that I could rely hundred percent on what they were telling me in class and just focus on taking very good notes. I knew the lecturers that no matter what they said in class, I have to go back and go and consult external sources because I knew they would not give me the meat. They were just not better. They were not as knowledgeable and they were not very good teachers. 
So I knew that. In fact, I look forward to those teachers who I know will give me stuff because I all I know is that just pay attention, write notes, I'm, I'm, I'm set because I know they will know what to emphasize on. They will emphasize on the right things. You know, I, I knew that. But not everybody knows that. And sometimes if you know it, you may not even think it's, it's important. It's just enough. Like, I too got caught up in all that. So for a long time, I wasn't doing Bible study. I wasn't reading the Bible for myself. I just felt going to church was enough. Meanwhile, what I was getting in church was extremely watery. Because, like I said, what I noticed is that in a lot of congregations, it's preaching. People are being preached to. And Christians don't need to be preached. They need to be taught. But we have a lot of preachers, and we have very few teachers. And what I noticed is that the teachers of the gospel, they hardly ever get to the pulpit. Because that whole pulpit thing is a very political thing, if you know what I mean. So the people, if you are a teacher, you have a teaching anointing, you are not likely, except you are the person that founded the church. You're not likely, and then, and then again, nobody was a teacher that is going to come there and blow your head So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But I find that most of the people who have the teaching anointing, they hardly ever get to really be on pulpits, mostly in, and in large congregations. If you are lucky that the president and founder he has a strong teaching anointing, then oh, you are set. But it's rare. Most of the people, well, they are just preachers, preachers, evangelists, prophets, whatever you know. But they, they, they so they and preaching is 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 more for unbelievers and it's very feel goodish. It makes you, it inspires you to take action for the now, but it cannot keep you. It can't keep you. You know what I'm saying? It can't. It can't keep you after that, beyond that space. It's it can't. Particular oh no, it can't. It can't. It's teaching the word of God, the word of and and so if yeah, I yeah. Anyway, I, I'm just gonna leave it there. But so and how you know is, do you know how confident are you to stand? You know, I just like any, just like in any, like any exam, any course. You know, you are good or you are ready when you are, you are exam ready, you are trial ready. You know that, even if they set the exams today, I'm ready, I can pass the test. So, how you will know whether your level of word study, you know, or my level of how how I would know now that I'm more aware is how resilient am I? How how how, how prepared am I to face the trials of life based on my knowledge of God and my faith in God? What will it take to crack me? So I'll just leave it there, you know. I mean, like I said, this is... Sometimes I find myself reflecting over and over on the same thing. But, you know, this is a lifetime's quest. And I think it's important for me to continue to reflect on it because I have made up my mind that the mistakes I made for the past 10 years... 15 years I would say I'm not going to make it for the next 15 because I don't have that much time to be repeating lifelong mistakes with eternal potential eternal consequences I have no idea really what I'm going to call today's musing um, but I'll leave it as father in heaven because I think um, which is how we started off with that song because if there is a realization of the fact that my father is in heaven and I am his child and I'm really a heavenly pe- and heaven is a place that I belong to now and that I'm a child of the kingdom then there is a way I will live my life I will learn to understand the rules of the kingdom I won't be living on this earth as if this is my home 
I won't be modeling and following the things that people of this world do as though they are my people. There's just a whole mindset shift that needs to happen. Otherwise, let's accept that we're not following Jesus. This is, I mean, really, let's accept that we're doing something else. So thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.